I love Sunday mornings because I get to see you, which is great, and I get to hear you as we collectively lift our voices in worship, and we get to proclaim the goodness of God over our lives no matter what may be going on. What a powerful thing it is to worship with one another, right? Uh, not only do we do that on Sunday morning, we also listen to uh, a message from God's Word, which, will be due, which we will do here in a second. And the other thing that makes Sunday morning special is that this is the only time during the week that we each are in this same room together, the body of Christ here in this community. And so uh, Hebrews 10 encourages us to stir one another up toward love and good deeds. And so I do hope that we enjoy worshiping with one another and that we uh, uh, activate as we hear God's word. And I hope we encourage one another before we leave. We say a word of encouragement towards one another. Perhaps you receive a word of encouragement from someone. That's what makes the body of Christ so powerful, y'all. It's the gathering. It's the coming together on Sunday morning to celebrate God's goodness and doing it together. So whether you're here for the first time or for, you know, we've been here for a while, I want to welcome you. My name is Jose. I'm the lead pastor. And we have been in a series in the book of Ephesians. This book, this letter to the Ephesians by Paul, is teaching us how to have incorruptible love for God. So we're learning how to grow this type of love for God. It's, uh, this concept of incorruptible love is found on the last verse of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6.24, which says, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. When I read that, I immediately thought, I don't think that's how I define my love for God all the time. I'm, my love for God is corrupted by busyness. My love of God is corrupted by other things that I prioritize in front of spending time with God and making him my priority. My love for God is corrupted by my own doubt and by my self-reliance. My love of God for God is corrupted by circumstances that are outside of my control and by the mistakes that I make. And so as I read this verse, I am so excited that it's the last verse of the book, which means that the first six chapters, well, it's all six chapters, all six chapters of Ephesians are teaching us how to have this type of love for God, incorruptible. No matter what the weather is like outside in the, in the season of life that we're in, no matter what mistakes we make, our love for God will be incorruptible. That's what Paul is teaching us. Last week, we learned that our identity is in God and because he chose us as his own, that is the key to having incorruptible love for God, that there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love, that he loved us first, that we choose Jesus. That was our New Year's resolution, right? In 2022, to choose Jesus. We choose Jesus because he first chose us. He adopted us into his family and calls us his own. That's what the first 15 verses, uh, first 14 verses in Ephesians 1 teaches us. And today we're going to look at Ephesians 15 through 23. It's a prayer. Paul prays for the Ephesians. And I hope for you that this will edify your prayer life. I think it's cool that last week we talked about the Bible, the importance of reading the Bible. And today we're talking about prayer 
two pillars of our faith, reading God's word and talking to God in prayer. So whether you are a part of our prayer ministry team, highly equipped prayer warriors that know how to stand in the gap and face the enemy and just cast out demons in the name of Jesus, or whether you're like, whoop, not me. I don't even know how to pray. This prayer is for us. It's going to teach us how to have incorruptible prayer. I don't know what the first thing you do uh, every morning, but personally, before I pray, I make some coffee. Because for me, if I don't have coffee flowing through my veins, really, there's really there's, there's little life inside uh, of my body. So this is not a chemical uh, chemistry experiment. It's called a chemix. Um, it is the best way to make coffee, in my humble opinion. Uh, it makes the best cup of coffee. And there are some ingredients that you need to make a really great cup of coffee. Uh, first is freshly ground coffee. Uh, this is Folgers that I found in the back. It's not freshly ground, but in the morning I grind it and then immediately goes in. You also need a filter to put the grounds in, otherwise you do, uh, what do they call it, ranchero coffee, where you just kind of stir the coffee in, in, in a thing. It's actually pretty delicious when you're camping and stuff, uh, but this is a little bit more exact. So you got your grounds, you got your filter, you got your Chemex or, or drip or whatever, and then finally, this fancy little water vessel that has the right temperature. If you don't have the right temperature, then it doesn't come, come off right. If you have not enough grounds in your coffee, then it's like water. And have you ever been to a restaurant and asked for coffee and you get water? You know, and you're like, I, paid, I spent, spent four bucks for some water with some coffee stuff on top of it. No, we like our coffee strong, but too much, it's too bitter. So this is the ingredients to make a really good cup of coffee. You got your filter, you got your vessel, you got your freshly grounds. Uh, and then you have a consistent pour. That's the fancy way, uh, that's the fancy thing that makes Chemex uh, great. If you ask for a pour over, this is what you get, by the way, in a coffee shop. So uh, you pour a nice consistent pour over the grounds and you can't see what's happening now, but it's not doing what your drip coffee maker does. It is doing much better. And in the end, you get a really nice, uh, dark, strong coffee. And if I don't have these ingredients coming together for me in the morning, I can't function. So maybe for you, if you're not a coffee drinker, maybe this is your smoothie, or maybe this is your workout, or maybe you're just supernatural and you wake up ready to go. Uh, maybe it's sleep. Maybe it's a good night of sleep. But for me, uh, again, it's Chemex. Been doing this for many years, and um, it's my, look at that. I mean, doesn't that, aren't you thirsty now? Just watching this coffee filter uh, through this beautiful vessel. Prayer is like this, it's a habit. And prayer activates our relationship with God. It gives us energy to face whatever comes our way, which is why Paul here is teaching us five ingredients to have incorruptible love for God. I call this message incorruptible prayer because if we pray this way, no matter what comes our way, we'll be able to stand our ground in the name of Jesus. We live in uh, difficult times. These are hard. Our culture is going crazy. And more than ever, it's important for us to realize that this battle that's waging, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people. It's spiritual. 
And so in order to battle spiritually, we need to know how to pray, which is the way that we communicate with God and, and we, we find refuge in uh, our relationship with Jesus. Prayer is a really big deal in this church. We have Pastor Rhonda who sits in the back. She leads our prayer ministry team every single Monday. There are times available for you to come, just walk in and meet with two prayer warriors and just pray. Sounds kind of spiritual and it is, but it's really amazing. It's like being wrapped around by the arms of Jesus, by these two intercessors, two people that are standing in the gap for you and just praying, just asking God to lift you and your circumstance up. She's also there in the gap every single Sunday after service. So if you ever need prayer after church, just know that you are welcome there. And then of course we have the prayer card in uh, the guide. So any day throughout the week, you can pull that up and then send a quick prayer request and know that that's being prayed over by our confidential prayer ministry team. Did you know that the first pastor on staff after Rob, who founded this church as the senior pastor, was our prayer pastor. That's how important prayer is for us. It's the lifeblood of our relationship with Jesus. So let's dive in and look at what these verses teach us about having an incorruptible prayer life. So we're looking at Ephesians, which is about 2,500 words, six chapters. This book is a perfect way to start when you are following Jesus. And it's also deep enough to never really understand, even if you followed Jesus for decades and decades. It is an amazing short letter that is incredibly profound. Ephesians 1, verse 15, Paul writes, For this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. The first ingredient here is gratitude. Paul gives thanks for their faith in God and for their love for one another. Y'all, as a church, that's our mission statement, to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love people. And Paul here is saying, hey, you church in Ephesus, I praise God. I'm so thankful for your love for God and your love for others. How powerful. First ingredient for, a, for an incorruptible prayer is gratitude. And he writes, for this reason, what's that reason? The reason that they're chosen, the reason that they're now a part of the family of God because of life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pray with gratitude. Perhaps in the mornings when we wake up, we feel anxious. We feel anxious about well, what's to come. We feel anxious because what happened yesterday. And we bring that in. Did you know that gratitude is the remedy for anxiety? Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, so that's the vehicle, with thanksgiving, the ingredient. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is this worship song that's come out recently and the worship leader in the song uh, stops and starts talking and, and uh, talks about this study that was done, this scientific study that has come to the conclusion that uh, thanksgiving, that gratitude 
and anxiety cannot coexist in the brain at the same time. So we can struggle with anxiety, right? And, but, but, but at the same time, if you command your brain to be grateful and, and you proclaim God's goodness, the scientific studies, scientists are now saying what the Bible has said for thousands of years is true, that the remedy for anxiety is gratitude. Here's what uh, uh, the little study said. At a neurobiological level, gratitude regulates the symphatic nervous system that activates our anxiety responses. And at the psychological level, it conditions the brain to filter the negative ruminations and focus on the positive thoughts. Isn't that amazing? That in our brain at the same time, they can't coexist. So what does it look like for us to wake up and just start praising God, just start thanking him for his goodness and his faithfulness and his presence in our life, for his forgiveness and the hope that we have in him. You know what else they said was a great mental health intervention? Journaling and small group discussions. Isn't that so cool? You know, so if you're in a community group, kaboom. If you journal and you're in a uh, community group, double kaboom. There you go. I mean, this is beautiful stuff. And, and I want to share with y'all for the last, almost for the last year, last February, I started attending a Celebrate Recovery step study. That's where we work the 12 steps, the biblical 12 steps uh, towards any hurt, habit, or hangup that we have. And let me tell you, it's been healing in my life. So Celebrate Recovery has meetings on Monday nights together. And then throughout the week, you have smaller groups that meet to go through and work through these 12 steps. It's a Christ-centered small group that will bring about freedom. And then you will have no choice but to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So just know, uh, Bob and, and the team, you got that table out there. That is for all of us. Anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ has a hurt, habit, or hangup. It's whether we're in denial or whether we accept that we have one. Why? Because Jesus came to save us. He came to save us from our sins. And so I hope that if that's something that, that you need, that you go to the back table and talk to them. So the first ingredient is pray with gratitude. Verse 17, I keep asking that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom in Revelation, so that you may know him better. So Paul here is asking God to give the church in Ephesus the spirit of wisdom and Revelation so that they may know God, so that they may know him better, so that they may know him deeper. I love that this ingredient is just to know God. Sometimes we pray with petitions. We have things that we say, God, I need help in this familial circumstance. God, I need help with this uh, circumstance at work. God, I need help with my health or I'm praying for an intercession for another person. But here Paul is saying, hey, I pray that God gives you this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can grow your relationship with God. So that just like in, in a marriage or in a friendship, the more time you spend together, the more you know one another. So it is in our relationship with God, the more we pray, the deeper we know God, the more we give him the cares and concerns inside of us, the more we have koinonia, fellowship and relationship with our creator. 
I was on a, a, a trip, a, 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 what's a, an errand. I was on an errand. I worked in uh, D.C. It wasn't a trip. It was an errand. And we ran errands. That was my job at the Supreme Court for two years right out of school. It was an amazing experience. And this errand was super cool. We were installing a computer at Justice Kennedy's house. So I was excited to go and, and, and run the errand. And I was with a colleague. And we stopped at his house and we were waiting for something. And uh, I forgot because my friend asked me, hey, Jose, he knew I was a believer in Jesus. He said, how do I pray? I said, what? He goes, yeah, how do, how do I pray? I'm like, dude, that came out of left field. He goes, yeah, it's just something I've been thinking about. Have you ever had those conversations with people when they just, out of left field, they start a conversation with God? Here's a pro tip, walk through that door. <laughs> All right, have that conversation. And he caught me kind of unprepared. I'm like, uh, uh, well, you know, there's the Lord's Prayer and, and uh, you know, uh, Hail Mary. No, that's how I grew up. Uh, there's... And I said, you know what, man? That's the key. That question, asking, how do I pray, is the key to know how to pray because he just wants to grow his relationship with God. That's what God's looking for. He's not looking for the right words. He's not looking for the right say, you know, sayings or, or phrases. He's just looking for a heart that wants to know him. And he had it. So I encouraged him with that. And then we talked about other things, but it just emphasizes this point that this ingredient, pray to know God is so important. And when we know God, we have a healthy reverence or fear of God. The Bible is clear throughout that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. That's what Proverbs 9, 10 says, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the more that we know about God, the more we understand about all things going around and, and the more we fear the Lord, the more we submit ourselves unto him, the more wisdom he gives us. And in a world filled with cynicism and fear and us versus them mentality, where we think we're coming against a people, we need God's revelation and wisdom. We need to know the true almighty God who came to rescue us and wants to use us to be a vehicle of his mission to save the world. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12 says, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, so it's not the spirit of fear, it's not the spirit of timidity, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. So let's pray to know God so that we may understand the gifts that he's given us, the weight of his love glory, inheritance, which is the next verses. I pray that your eyes of your heart, verse 18, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So Paul is praying that their hearts would be awakened, would be illuminated, would be enlightened so that they may recognize, be aware 
of the hope that we have in God as his holy people, in this great power that we have because we believe in Jesus. So we pray for hopeful confidence. This could be either for us or for somebody else. We can pray this for us. Lord, I have doubt right now. I don't understand how this could be something. You can be working this for my own good. And so Lord, I'm just gonna pray for your hopeful confidence to come upon me so that I can see what you see. Or you can pray that for someone else. Lord, help them see, help them recognize recognize what you are doing in this really difficult circumstance. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about, we, about what we do not see. So faith is knowing that God's got it even when we don't, especially when we don't see it. Otherwise it's not. Faith is it. It's, we're sure of what we can see. Now this is something sure that we cannot see hopeful confidence. So we have, we pray with gratitude, lifting up praises to God for who he is and how awesome he is. And we pray to know God, to deepen our relationship with him. And we pray for hopeful confidence. And this goes right into these next few verses that the power is the same. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. When Jesus came to live a perfect life, was tortured and died on the cross, he didn't stay dead. He resurrected on the third day and ascended into heaven in victory over death. And death is the only thing that can separate us from God. The only thing. Our sin, the consequences of our sin is death. But thanks be to God, he came to do away with those consequences so that we can have everlasting life. This is the power of the gospel in us that he, Romans 12, Romans 8, 11, that he who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. And he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. My friends, this is pray with heavenly authority. We have the power of resurrection available to us. There is no more powerful force that exists in the universe than the power of resurrection that is given to us thanks to his heavenly authority. And so we pray powerfully. Whatever miracle we need in our life, we stand firm knowing that God is able. And God says, ask boldly. So we pray boldly for God to come through in that miracle. And last ingredient, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We pray with heavenly authority and then we yield. We yield to God. We say, Lord, I believe 
I'm going to believe for that miracle. I'm going to believe for that transformation in my life. I'm going to pray for that sickness to to go away, Father. I'm going to pray for healing, Father. I'm going to pray for breakthrough in this person's life. And your will, not mine, be done. Trust you that you are the ultimate miracle worker and that your ways are higher than our ways. So I don't fully understand your plan. So I'm going to yield to you. The end of Jesus' ministry, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane asking for the group, these 12 that he had done life with, to intercede on his behalf. And you know what they did? They fell asleep. They failed the one who came to save them. They fell asleep. Why? Jesus said, because the spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. That's why we need these ingredients for incorruptible prayer because our spirit is willing. We want to honor God, but our flesh is weak. We fall short, but thanks be to God, Jesus continued to pray and he knew that the cross was right on the other side of, of this, this season and in this time frame in the garden. And so he then prays to God and say, Lord, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. It's Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you were willing, take this cup of suffering, this cup of wrath that was about to come upon Jesus, the torture, the pain. But he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, the son yields to the father. Why? So that you and I could be fully redeemed. He's our great intercessor. He is our great high priest. So we yield to him in every circumstance, whether impossible for us or or, or minute compared to other prayers that we've prayed. We say, Lord, your will be done. We trust you. Worship team, you can come back up. I know that in your life, there are big prayers that you and and we are going to lift up to God. I know that there are marriages that need prayers of, of rescuing. I know that there are relationships with sons and daughters that need redeeming and, and reconciliation. I know that there are body ailments, sickness that needs to be healed, mental and emotional stuff that we want God to redeem and heal. And in us, our own brokenness, ways that God wants to transform our hearts for his glory. And what I want to encourage us to do today is to lift these types of prayers up to God, to say, God, I I thank you. I, I thank you for being good. I thank you for the gospel. We can stand firm knowing that we have everlasting life because we believe. And God, I thank you that we get to know you. You are listening to us as, as we pray to you right now, God, you're actually listening to us. We don't take that for granted. And so we say, Lord, we want to know you deeper. We want to deepen our relationship with you. And and Father, if we are in doubt or, or whether there is fear, we pray that you would replace that with hopeful confidence that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And Lord, that we can pray with heavenly authority that you did away but the only thing that could have separated us, which is death. So we can pray boldly for miracles. We can pray boldly for healing and transformation. 
and at the same time fully trust you and leave the results to you and say, no matter what the results are, praise be to God who said, not my will, but yours be done. We thank you that your will is that our names are written in the book of life. Lord, and if there is anyone here that has yet to surrender their life to you, Jesus, I pray that they would be encouraged by this, that the greatest miracle of all is that we who were lost are now found because of what you've done for us, Jesus. And if that's you, then all God requires of us is that same posture that my friend exhibited. How do I pray? How do I know God? And the answer is we surrender and say, yes, I believe that you, Jesus, are the son of God who came to forgive me of my sins and bring me everlasting life. Believe that you came, you lived a perfect life, you died and you rose again so that I can live with you in eternity. That's it. And we thank you for that miracle today, God, that we are your sons.